I think the, the chase is what motivates me to kind of move forward. Like when I was in school, the chase was um, working for, you know, a large oil and gas corporation because that's what my master's was about. When I was not doing geology and I was like still taking the classes, my my motivation was like, okay, getting into a good graduate program and kind of moving to a different place that I'm not used to. And now that I've kind of like attained, you know, the, my like ideal job when I was in school, I feel like what motivates me moving forward now is seeing myself grow as an artist. I think what inspires me in life is more about experience and like being able to experience different culture, different people's stories, meet people, like go a little deeper into like the, go a little deeper into life's details, you know, instead of just living this nine to five and that part to me gets so mundane and like you blink and 10 years have passed and you don't know if you've fulfilled a lot of your dreams. And so we're trying not to let that happen. guys welcome back to after five creative this week we have mimi doe and she is a ceramicist from houston texas welcome mimi welcome Hi. thanks for having me we're so happy to have you um i'm just gonna start off with uh i am really excited to have you here because for like this long period of time or for like three months like me and my friends were talking about like wanting to uh do ceramics or to spin or mm-hmm. i don't know the proper terminology uh, to throw what do they say on the wheel it's called to throw. throw. okay yeah yeah okay <laughs> and um i feel like we had been looking everywhere all over the houston area and a lot of places um they either closed down or they weren't like recommending any or not recommending they weren't like taking in any um beginner right. classes so we were mm-hmm. kind of like oh there's a bust and then that's when i fell upon <clears throat> i'm sorry that's when i fell upon your page and i was like oh my gosh this is so cool like number one like she does like such like your artwork and your craft is beautiful like i've seen really like nice, i've yeah. seen ceramics and i'm like okay like that's cool but like also the way that you like i said i don't know terminology but the way that you i guess glaze them or paint them your color yeah. schemes like i just like really love them i love how muted they are and they're yeah they're I guess they're very like my kind of style or vibe. Mm-hmm. So like that's mm-hmm. what really like drew me in. And then I also saw that you were like you um, have classes as well. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I started sending your page to all my friends. I was like, she has classes. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Oh my god. And then I was like, okay, okay I gotta have her on. We gotta have her on the podcast. I gotta like know more about you. Yeah. Like the more you're posting, I'm sorry if like I was like getting annoying in DMs. I was no. just like so excited <laughs> when I saw on your page, but. Anyways, with that being said, I'm super excited to have you here. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, just give us the rundown and give us your backstory, where you grew up, all of that. Yeah. Um, So I'm originally from Houston. Um, I actually grew up in Houston until about third grade. And then um, I moved overseas. I grew up or I did elementary in Africa, in Nigeria specifically. And then I... um, And then I went and did half of middle school and high school in the Middle East in Oman. And then I came back for the remaining 10 or remaining 11th and 12th grade 
uh, in Cyprus, actually, right outside of Houston. I was wow. um, an oil and gas expat kid. So, oh, um, okay. yeah, so my dad worked for Shell, and so we were able to travel a little bit when we were young, and mm-hmm. I wish I appreciated it more when I was a kid, but, you know, when you're a little, you just want to, like, hang out and not be bothered mm-hmm. and not kind of move around so much. But, you know, looking back, I really enjoyed it, and it's kind of instilled this passion for traveling wow. and just culture and stuff like that. So, and now I... um I'm living in Houston. I just moved back to Houston, actually, uh, maybe three years ago. I just finished up grad school okay. in Colorado. And that's... Oh, um, nice. Yeah. And that's where I learned ceramics. It was just like my Tuesday, Thursday evening class. I did it for like two years, two and a half years. And uh-huh. it was something to like get my mind off of the stress of grad school. And so um, okay. I was taking classes and I kind of brought it down to Houston with me, and I didn't find a studio here in Houston. So I um, started slowly investing in my own equipment and then eventually built mm-hmm. the studio. So you were going to school in Colorado. Um, yeah. And I'm assuming your major was geology, right? Yeah. Uh, geology, was that, was that part of your, like, because of maybe your dad did it since like you traveled with him. Was he a geologist as well or? No, he was in IT and it was, I actually call it my quarter life crisis right now. I'm 33. (laughs) I, um, I went back to school for geology when I was 25. I like was young originally and I just didn't take school so seriously. And I was like, Oh, I'll major nutrition. Didn't, really go anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. And when I was 25, I was working at a clinic in BP's health clinic. And I started mm-hmm. networking with some female geologists and they were like, you know, geology is a really fun major. It's rewarding. Yeah. It's nice to understand the scientific aspect behind, um, like anything outdoors, you know, you go out there and you're like, yeah, the, the nature is so beautiful. The landscape's beautiful, but like, how did it form? How did things get here? Um, mm-hmm. And so I kind of was like, oh, this kind of sounds interesting. So I really like, I don't know. I just had this quarter life crisis. I packed up my bags. I was living in Houston and I was like, I'm going to move to San Antonio and kind of get my mind away from all the distraction here in Houston and really focus on myself and, mm-hmm. um, did that. I did my, so I finished some undergrad credits in in San Antonio at UTSA that's where I met my fiance and then decided oh, cool. to get my master's in Colorado. So we nice. both moved over there. Yeah. So that's Very kind of cool. the story. So I'm still fresh as a geologist. I've only been a professional geologist for about three years, three and a half years, including my internship. So still that new. Is cool. That is cool. Yeah. So what school were you going to when you were in Colorado? Oh, I was going to um, Colorado School of Mines. So yeah, that's that's where a lot of people go for uh, for that. Yeah. Okay, and that that's cool. in. It's close to Boulder. Okay. Golden. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. like south of Boulder, west yeah. of Denver. It's, it's that's beautiful. exciting. So you've experienced snow and <laughs> <laughs> different <Yeah>. seasons <laughs> for sure. Okay, that's- I have a, I have a confession to make. I maybe yeah. I would have been a geologist in my next life, or <laughs> it's yeah, never too late. <laughs> I, I took a, so I took a class in college and it was actually like, 
intro to geology because I needed to take a, a, a science class or whatever. Mm-hmm. But so I, I think I liked it so much because of the passion of my professor. She was a volcanologist or she still is, I guess. Cool. So she actually showed us pictures of like her, like in a volcano and like, like inside, I mean, not inside, but like, you know, close to yeah. the edge. And I'm just like, oh my God, that is so cool. Like she studied volcano. She's been everywhere. Also traveled the world just to do this. Um, but yeah, we learned pretty much like it's the basics, you know, minerals and you have to learn the names yeah. of the rocks and topography and learning how to, you know, all that fun stuff. But I really yeah. learned a lot and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun but I'm already like you know towards the end and I don't want to go no no anyway. I definitely is really get fun. it yeah yeah so maybe, maybe next maybe my next life I'll do that <laughs> yeah anyways what all like can you describe to me like what a day of a geologist looks like what do you do at your job um yeah so Right now, if we're talking right now, our commodity prices are really low. So it's not a great time for geologists, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We are um, what you would call the upstream sector of oil and gas. So that's really where you are working in the subsurface. You're working to characterize your rocks. You're looking to characterize your fluids, kind of find out um, – where the oil is hosted within whatever type of rocks you're you're exploring in. And that's what Mm -hmm. a typical geologist would do. Mm -hmm. I work in the Permian sector, um, specifically in Midland Basin. Um, So that's the unconventional world of oil and gas. That's where you drill your wells horizontally. And at that point, you already know that your rocks host oil. You just need to figure out what's the best way to extract extract that oil Mm -hmm. right you want to make sure that your wells are not spaced too close together you want to make sure that Mm -hmm. you your economics you work with your engineer and you make sure that your economics play out right um you're reading a lot of wireline log data so whenever people drill vertical wells they run electrical logs subsurface and then Mm -hmm. um we use um programs to kind of help read those you interpret those electrical logs to find out what kind of rocks you have, the porosity, the water to oil um, ratios, what type of mineralogy you have, things like that. And so that's kind of what I do day to day in my geology nine to five. Um, it's fun. It's exciting. It's real. It's really more exciting when the commodity prices are high because that's when geologists are really needed. People are like, you know, oh, we need geologists because we want to go and explore here. We want to test in the Gulf of Mexico or we want to drill well here. You need a geologist to kind of sign off on that in a sense, um, scientifically. Yeah, so that's what we do currently right now. It's a little slow for the geology realm, um, <laughs> but hopefully after COVID, everything will pick back up. No wonder you have to come back home and just you know decompress stress <laughs> decompress <laughs> and de-stress and, and, well and you know. like millions of dollars and it's kind of all <laughs> riding on this like asset team that's responsible for it so it's a lot of responsibility it's it's high paced high stress also so mm-hmm. having a creative outlet is um that is awesome yeah necessary so how do you relate 
science to art. I mean, because since yeah. you do study the earth, I'm sure that has sure. similarities with what is it, clay or whatever it is that you do. Yeah. Yeah, how do you? That is so funny relate? because that particular question for a geology interview for oil and gas, at least in my mm-hmm. interviews when I was working or when I was trying to get a job, um, that is a very common question in your job interview. And it's because <laughs> geology is, I think, out of all the sciences, is the closest realm to art. And I would say that because, um, yeah, I would say that because it's a highly interpretive um, science. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at a lot of rocks on Earth's surface, but then a lot of the times you're trying to figure out what the rocks are subsurface. What happened to these rocks or how did these rocks form, you know, 60 million years ago? And right. mm-hmm. um, in that aspect, it it does have like a creative flair to it. And so then, so geology in general, if you were to ask like a biologist or something, they would probably, you know, they probably kind of giggle a little bit at geology mm-hmm. being a science. But um, <laughs> in terms of relating ceramics or pottery to geology, I think it goes hand in hand so well. You're, Mm -hmm. you're working with clay. I find it really interesting personally to find out where my clay is mined from just like in the glazing realm, which is something completely new to me. I'm kind of dabbling into it's a lot of chemistry, but a lot of the various clays that they use in glazing relates to a lot of properties that you learn about in school. Like, you know, certain clays have like a swelling characteristic Mm -hmm. or just like a water retention characteristic. And so it's really interesting. And I think it ties really well. When I was in Colorado, a lot of my pottery um, class were, they were geologists and I just think it's Mm -hmm. just a natural thing. That's pretty cool. So would you like, um, so those classes that you would take, would they, were they within your curriculum or was it like something you did outside of school? No, it was, um, yeah. So I went to, in Golden, it's a small little mountain town, and it's amazing. And so the little town subsidized a community center, and if you were going to school, if you're a resident of Golden, you can go and take these classes there. So they were super affordable and um, not related to the school, but a lot of students mm-hmm. would go there and like use their facility and stuff, and so... Um, I took a class, there was like six wheels in the studio and all the glaze and clay provided. And my teacher had like a master's in or a master of art in ceramics. Mm -hmm. And so she was super knowledgeable. My favorite teacher of all time. Like sometimes I still text her to this day and ask her questions (laughs) about water. So yeah, I mean, I am indebted to her. That's pretty cool. I I was an art major at Stephen F. Austin, and I had to take a bunch of classes. I did like 2D design, uh, printmaking, metal smithing, jewelry kind of deal. But uh-huh. I wish I would have taken a ceramics because fun, now yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wish I could just do that. Like that just seems <laughs> like so like relieving all your stress, really relaxing. Yeah. And at the same time, you're just like creating something, you know what I mean? So that's yeah. really awesome that you got to do that yeah. to take away your stress from school. For yeah. sure. I just think that it's so unique in terms of like a creative um, outlet because your mm-hmm. hands are dirty. 
And I think like what really draws me to it is I'm sitting on a computer all day. I'm looking at a screen yeah. all day. If I'm not looking at my mm. screen for work, I'm looking at my phone or I'm watching mm-hmm. TV oh, yeah. or like something digital versus ceramics is like, like very old art. And so yeah, it kind of brings you back to that like primitive yeah. state. And then right. also your hands are dirty. It forces you to really disconnect. You have to mm-hmm. like focus your balance, your mental clarity into like creating this even piece. And so uh-huh. It just like really disconnects you from like that fast paced lifestyle that we're all kind of intertwined in. Yeah, I can completely relate. Mm-hmm. As a photographer, like I'm on my computer all day. I, I, at work, yeah. I'm on the computer. When I get home, I'm on the computer. And For just a sure. few weeks ago, um, me and Alan, we were working. I'm well together. We we're making his wedding band. Um, mm-hmm. and I forgot how much, like, I really enjoy much art, fun. art yeah. forms like that. Like something where I'm not, like, it's not digital, you know, I had to yeah. pack the clay, um, and make the mold. And like you said, like my hands were dirty. So it's like, I couldn't really touch my phone unless I really needed mm-hmm. to watch like the tutorial on how to do sure. it. But, um, it was, it was just like so much fun just like being able to zone in and just like only think about like that one thing that you're doing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Cause I could Kudos to you guys to making your, to making your <laughs> wedding bands. Don't pr- We're still in the process. Still I ha- process. <laughs> yeah. I had to go wait for a saw to come in and now I have to like sand it all down and get it looking pretty. So I'm hoping, I'm praying that it's going to come out good. Um, and look nice. <laughs> yeah, it already sure looks nice will. with like it's already taking or you can see the form or the shape. But yeah, it was it. so yeah. much fun because we had to uh Alan had the crucible and I had like the torch and we we were just like make like melting down like this really huge ring. Like my dad let, let us melt down his um his old high school ring and then we had medals from Alan's parents Parents wedding bands and then grandmother's wedding bands. So it was really neat just like to watch like the metal just Going oh, yeah, and it has such a sentimental um, yeah, meaning yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah so cool. I, I I can completely understand, <laughs> like, just totally, like, zoning into your craft. Nothing else um, is there. And yeah. what what is the... Yeah. I'm kind of weird. Like, I realize, like, I do my makeup and I don't listen to music. And it sounds freaking weird, but it's because I'm like, I'm thinking, like I'm thinking in my head, like about everything. So I just kind of want to know, like, do you have like a certain playlist you play? Do you listen to like a certain podcast? What is your vibe in the studio? I am 100% about vibes. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm even into like the scent. It's gotta be. So when I mm-hmm. start working, the studio needs to start off a little clean. I don't like it cluttered. Mm-hmm. And I like to put on either lo-fi music or just like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm a big fan of Rye. I put Rye radio and I just kind of like zone out. I'm very attracted to like, like mellow tunes. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, like so, jazzy hip hop beats. Yeah, lo-fi. just like very, yeah. very like mellow. I'm okay with like vocals or I don't know the terms like words in the songs lyrics and songs. <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah I'm not really attracted to like anything super pumped up because this is my time to kind of like zen out relax mm-hmm. yeah. like, I feel yeah. like my job during the day is like such high stress and like everything can be like 
high paced. And so mm-hmm. everything in the studio is kind of like very slow and like mellow. I'm, I like, um, a lot of natural light when I'm creating, mm-hmm. if that's, if I can during the day, like on the weekends, I will yeah. not turn on the light until I absolutely have to. And it's just like this sacred space, um, mm-hmm. that I have here. And so that's kind of like my, my mood for sure. Just a lot of light, natural, kind of slow pace. I like to drink my coffee or tea in here and kind of just mm-hmm. vibe out. So sure. do you, so do you normally, I guess you, for the most part during the week, I guess you do it after your day job. Not really yeah. in the morning, right? Okay. Yeah, cool. not in the morning. Yeah. So I used to. I was crazy at one point. Girl. And I would wake up at five in the morning. I would oh go for an hour. And then I would start getting ready for work. And then I, this is when we were commuting <laughs> to the office. And so uh-huh. I was – now I've kind of like relaxed on that in that realm just because it was like too much. But uh-huh. um, it's easier for me now because I'm not commuting to work as often. And I have right. a – studio in my backyard before I was throwing in uh, my parents garage before we were when we were building the house and so mm-hmm. that was just that was I'm I know that I'm very 100% like atmosphere driven because when I was uh-huh. throwing in the garage it just wasn't the same like there was, was like, stuff everywhere <laughs> like my dad's golf clubs and just like mosquitoes and heat <laughs> or cold it was all these elements that I'm not into like I need the AC yeah. and good light you know so it was very I, stressful <laughs> yeah like I was not into it I was like I need this to be like the right vibe so I knew when we built this house that I was like we when we were looking for a lot I needed a place with like a decent yard space and um because mm-hmm. that was like a big driving factor like we knew mm-hmm. we were going to build this space and um I mean we built this this little studio that I'm in before we furnished our master bedroom like it's still not for <laughs> hey. I, I was like no we, I need this space we have to make some sacrifices because furnishing is expensive but I was mm-hmm. like I don't care about the master bedroom no one sees it except us like I need this for my mental. <laughs> so how did you, did you like make like Pinterest boards on like your mood for building your studio and everything? Yeah. Um, I just knew like the square footage and then I honestly, I drew this sketch. I had like, yeah, I had made some Pinterest boards of modern sheds or she sheds and, mm-hmm. um, did a lot of kind of research after throwing in my parents' garage, I was like, <laughs> I know for sure I'm going to need light, like natural light. And I'm for sure going to need some sort of um, temperature control system, like yes. an AC unit or something. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so actually my friend, I started drawing this sketch on paper and my friend is mm-hmm. an architect and I was like, Hey, you know, how do I start relating my measurements to like a contractor like this? It started yeah. to get quickly out of hand. Like I was like, oh, I want this in my mind. I'm like, oh, I want this window and that window. And then when I started trying to measure it all out to scale, it, it got really complicated. And then I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I probably need to enlist some help here. And so my friend ended up 
he tried to teach me how to use this, like, there's a Google software out there where you can, for architecture, and you can, like, build models of stuff. And he tried That's to teach cool. me how to use it. And the learning curve is so steep. He was like, okay, well, it's probably going to take you two weeks to learn how to use this program if you <laughs> use it every day, all day. Or I can just do it for you for, like, for two hours, it'll, I can build a shed. It's pretty simple. And I was like, wow. Okay. I'll, That's way I will, I will definitely like appreciate your help. So he actually, he's so nice. He helped me, um, draw up the blueprints and everything. And I just showed the contractor the blueprints and he gave me an mm-hmm. estimate. I got like 10 different contractor estimates and then kind of went with somebody that we trusted. And it took like three months um, two months of construction because it was just hiccups and stuff and parts coming in, but now it's fully functional. But it looks beautiful. We've seen Thank pictures uh, on Instagram. Oh, it's yeah. really cool. And how big yeah. or what are the exact measurements of it? Oh, uh, I think it's 50 square feet. So yeah, it's about it's a, like maybe the size of a, a bit like dining room. A closet. Okay. No, no, definitely <laughs> not a dining room. Um, oh, it really? would be like, a River Oaks closet. A River, <laughs> a River Oaks closet. <laughs> yeah. That's a good description. It's yeah. pretty small, um, but it's just cozy. It fits maybe three people sitting down at most, just mm-hmm. kind of like comfortably. Yeah. But yeah. And how long it works? And how long do you usually hang out in there? Uh, enough to where my fiance says if. He was like, if I want to hang out with you, do I need to book a pottery session with you? Wow. It's just because, like, when we built it, all of this anticipation is just, like, built up. And I was, like, dreaming about this since I moved to Houston when I started realizing there was ceramic spaces where I could rent or, like, it just was either too expensive or too far after work, you know, I didn't want it to be like a whole process Uh to drive into the city to go throw for two hours. So the anticipation built up and like now it's been fully functional for maybe two or three months. And so like now I'm in here all the time. I mean, I'm in here teaching Mm -hmm. or I'm in here like just doing something like maybe like two hours a day after work. And then on the weekends I'm in here a lot. Awesome. That's pretty good. That, that's a pretty yeah. good time. I was thinking like midnight or something. No, no. I am. I kind of try to like hang it up at like 10, not 1030. <laughs> I still feel like that's late. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> 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 that is pretty late, but that's, that's still pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. And how long have you been, how long have you been in business? In the pottery life? Yes. Correct, yeah. For speckles yeah. and stripes. Speckles and stripes. I formulated that name um maybe three years ago when I moved down to Houston or even right before I moved down to Houston I lived in Fort Worth for six months um transitioning Mm -hmm. with my job I started in Fort Worth and then I moved down to Mm -hmm. Houston and um when I started in Fort Worth that's kind of when I was like well I'm gonna just like make a brand because I wanted to make an Etsy page and kind of pay back my hobby And then um, Mm -hmm. you can quickly go downhill in terms of buying way too much stuff, which I've already gone off the deep end (laughs) for. But um, yeah, so I just, I don't know. It came about three years ago. It kind of went into a hiatus 
when I was throwing in the garage, I was kind of like, I don't really, I'm not passionate enough to throw. Not that I'm not passionate enough. Like the vibe, just the atmosphere did not. Yeah. Like there. Mm-hmm. it wasn't it was good. <laughs> inspiring for me to throw yeah. there. So, um, I went on a hiatus and so now I really have like taken back my brand and I've invested a lot of time and thought into where I want to take this and where I want, where I see my brand in the future. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm still figuring it out. I definitely tell everybody that, you know, this is still my hobby one day, hopefully Mm -hmm. my full-time gig, but I'm learning and this is just like a learning process for me. And I like being honest like that and kind of just being open about my story and my, my goals. Yeah. So do you want your brand to be more like, uh, do you want to sell product or do you want to be more like a studio where you teach classes or both? Okay. Yeah. I've definitely thought about this. Um, (laughs) my dream, I think in terms of the, in my dream overall would be to own a studio, um, where it would have, you know, six wheels, very aesthetically pleasing. Um, Mm -hmm. the studios that I've been to or been a part of in the past are very like just functional and not as aesthetic as like I would want to make it and so Mm -hmm. my long-term goal would be to have a really beautiful studio where it just like it is alluring to those that are interested in like cultivating a creative lifestyle and also kind of intertwining that into my brand so my brand is very driven towards neutrals and mm-hmm. muted yeah. I am very gravitated towards the brown clay sometimes with speckles primarily with speckles because mm-hmm. I like the scientific aspect I like the aesthetic of it and so I think overall I would love to see speckles and stripes become just like a big or not a big studio but like a well thought out studio with aesthetics yeah. in mind um, product in mind. I'm very driven towards functional wear. So in the ceramics world, functional wear mm-hmm. is something that you eat or drink out of. I have been dabbling into like vases and planters lately, but majority of the mm-hmm. time I just find so much, gr- like I find so much fulfillment in eating or drinking out of something that I've made and that it feels good in my hand. I know that I put thought into it and ultimately mm-hmm. I would love somebody to feel the same about something that I've made. So that's kind of my motivation and what inspires me as a maker. That's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that you do open up a studio because that'd be amazing. I feel like Houston doesn't really have anything. So I think that would just be really exciting. It's an open uh, market for you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's literally, I mean, I, you don't hear of these studios. I mean, you hear about cycling studios are everywhere. You hear about... Yeah. These, you know, boutique uh, gyms and, For you know, here. it caters to different, but there is, this art is not, Yeah, you're going to bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it'd be so cool to see here. Um, that would be really so, cool. Yes. And when you're throwing and stuff, or when you're like planning your next, I see, I don't know the terminology, but <laughs> basically what I'm trying like to when say. When I'm about to make something. 
Yeah, but also like like for me for photography, um, you know, I watch different YouTube videos and it'll teach me like different techniques. Are you do you still continue your education via YouTube or or something? Do you, you phone see? a friend? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Professor? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely try to stay engaged in um the pottery community. There's a very large pottery community on Facebook. There's one local mm-hmm. in Houston. I have not been as active this year just due to COVID and life being busy, but last Mm -hmm. or two years ago, I was, I tried to be more active in it. Um, it just is hard to balance a lot of time, like Mm -hmm. attending a lot of these functions versus being engaging online. So I definitely Mm -hmm. am engaging Mm -hmm. online. I ask a ton of questions in these forums and you can learn so much from other people that have done pottery as a career for tons mm-hmm. for decades. And so they're so willing to help. Wow. I just think that the ceramics world, people are so enthusiastic about sharing what they've learned because pottery is a, it's a trial and error art. Like yeah. you have to do a lot of testing. The glazes that you use might not necessarily turn out mm-hmm. the same as somebody in California because they're, you know, clay might be sourced from a different mine. Therefore it's like has slightly different properties and therefore it turns your piece into a different color or just like a different sheen. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. So it's really interesting to see other people's results. The steps for pottery is like a, I forgot, I didn't count, but it's a process. It's like an eight step process. And so it is long, but it's so fulfilling at the end to like open this glaze kiln and look at your, every time I run a glaze fire and I, I like cannot wait until my pieces are ready to be opened. I just like open it. It's like Christmas every time. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. That's I awesome. That is my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you ever like draw what you're about to make or do you get your inspiration from like other ceramics online? I do both. Um, when I'm trying to experiment for like, I don't know, complex pieces where I, you know, you would throw the body of it and then you want to attach like handles mm-hmm. or um, make like a more of a sculptural or like more of an artistic piece. And I would try to sketch it out first. Um, I more so take notes of like, I have a notebook and I take notes of like how many, how many pounds I cut off from my block of clay. If I'm making a series of mugs, I need to, the first step in pottery is to weigh out your clay to a consistent weight so if I'm going to do a mug or something I'll do like 1.3 pounds and then I'll cut off 10 um, lumps of clay at 1.3 pounds and then that mm-hmm. just helps you with consistency and I think making anything handmade is so consistency is the hardest part um right and, and so you I have to write those things down like the notes you know what kind of handle I did, what kind of glaze I did. For sure, that's definitely something that all potters have to write down because the glaze looks a different color before and after it's fired, and so you always have to write that down. Cool. Um, so is, is, it, is it possible for people to learn at home, or is it best to go to a professional, to a studio? Or um, take a few classes or? YouTube. Um, what do you recommend? Definitely, I recommend taking classes. Even when I'm teaching nowadays, um, it's very difficult to 
verbally describe how much pressure you need to apply to your lump of clay. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. And so I think learning from a YouTube would be so difficult. When I learned, I learned with six other people on the wheel. So it wasn't necessarily one-on-one like what it is in my studio. Um, mm-hmm. So even with six people to six to one for um, student to professor ratio, it's still right. hard. And so it's a lot of trial and error. And I think at least you need to take, I don't know, I, I probably couldn't make a consistent mug until um, a year and a half into ceramics, taking classes twice wow. a week. So no way. I swear, yeah, being on the wheel, is, <laughs> it looks really easy, but the hardest part is centering your clay. And if you don't center your clay, you can't really make anything that looks nice Good. like it'll always have like a little <laughs> looks straight to it yeah <laughs> yeah you know it'll be so, special <laughs> it's, yeah it's handmade so that's always an aspect that I always say you know don't beat yourself up because centering is the hardest part mm-hmm. and yeah I mean that's kind of the that's the alluring part of ceramics though it's like it's like you try it a little bit and then you're like dang I'm addicted like I gotta go back and try mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. and it's just that's just the beauty of it to me, at least. That is so nuts that it took that long. Like, I can't even <laughs> imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, so it takes a lot of patience. Designs, like she yeah. said, it's it's all about uh, a formula that yeah. you have to do every single time and keep it consistent. And, and yeah. that's, that's the hard part. I yeah. think I've only done it like one time. And I think I was younger and I didn't even make anything that cool. It was like, um, <laughs> I don't even know. It wasn't like a vase, but it it was just something I threw. It, like, my, my, yeah, it wasn't even <laughs> that good. Like, <laughs> it was just That's something okay. like I threw, threw coins in. Um, but I, wow, like, I guess it would take a lot of, oh, a yeah. lot of time to oh, just yeah. like, like you said, Practice. centering it. Sure. Um, getting it just right. So, but, so yeah. tell us a, uh, what what are your classes entail? What like if for someone yeah. that's listening and that's interested in taking a class with you? We are sure. very interested. We, we're so going. We know your book. We're we going. Know your book. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Twenty twenty one is the year. Um, <laughs> so what I typically tell people is um, I focus all of my time on the person on the wheel because. I like, it's very difficult for me to bounce around. So if you bring like a lot of people have come for date nights and I say, you know, if y'all both want to try the wheel, just pay attention to the beginning instructions and then we can incorporate the second person after, but really yeah, the cool. one-on-one pottery sessions are primarily wheel-based. Um, you don't have to have experience, but you just have to expect that you might come out that day making like a pencil holder or an espresso mug or like a small succulent pot. And so a lot of people will come and and I love that they like have done their homework. They've looked for inspo and they come and they show me these like beautiful, intricate pots. And I'm like, okay, um, let's just take a step back. I love that that's the direction (laughs) you're trying to go. But, you know, let's like start small and see where you go. And so I kind of like preface it in that sense. And I really just iterate that centering is the hardest part. And if you're interested in attending more classes and perhaps we can set up something a little more regular, 
or mm-hmm. um, we can just kind of work on the experience and just kind of a lot of people are just curious about like the, the wheel overall. And I totally mm-hmm. get that. Like, it's very interesting. It's like one of those oddly satisfying things to watch. And so people are just like kind of generally intrigued about how the wheel works. And so um, I kind of just let people like play around on it. Like I tell them the basics. I'm there to guide you. Like I tell them, Hey, I'm going to hold your hand through this. Cause it's very difficult <laughs> for me to um, describe how much pressure to apply. And a lot of people are a little bit shy of how much pressure to apply. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a lot more aggressive than you think. And so that's where my role comes in. And then after that, I'm like, this is kind of how mm-hmm. you do things. You know, you can try on your own and I'm here to guide you if you need it. And I just kind of sit there and I let them experiment. Cool. That's what ceramics is about. So are you, so you're very hands-on, but also are you like spinning as well at the same time? Or sorry. No, I, sit, <laughs> I yeah, no, I sit on the opposite side and I, um, I can guide from sitting on the opposite side of the wheel. I can demo from that side. Mm-hmm. And so like, let's say I'm trying to describe like a hand motion that you need to do or like a hand positioning that would work better. Then I will just mm-hmm. demo it from where I'm sitting. And then that person can go ahead and try and I'll like adjust your hand positions to guide okay. you where you need to go. So it doesn't come out looking crazy. Or anything. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had anybody leave um, not making something. So they've always gone home. Um, oh, good. Or not, not gone home. It, I tell people it takes three weeks for me to like trim the piece, fire it, then glaze it, then fire again. So it takes like three weeks and I do a porch front porch pickup. And, um, but nobody's left mm-hmm. not making anything. And where can people sign up? Yeah, people can sign up, um, on my Instagram. I have a link on there and I'm currently also doing hand building classes too. For those that um, are interested in just kind of like having a workshop, I also think hand building is mm-hmm. a really fun aspect of pottery and you don't necessarily need that like tons of background experience because it's almost like playing with Play-Doh. And so you yeah. can sign up on there. There's the hand building option. There's the one-on-one pottery session. Currently, I don't have it up, but I'll open it back up in January um, just because I'm booked and I kind of want to control the availability on there. And so, um, I have it closed for now, but I will open it up again Mm -hmm. later. Sure. Tell us what makes your ceramics unique. I, you know, we've talked about, yeah, this could be, you know, your product or even like the way you teach as well. Yeah. Um, I think what makes my pottery unique is not only the story that I come with and just my overall passion for it from like a geology and scientific aspect, relating it back, to art but I think that the speckled look with just a very muted I want to go for like a timeless um clean Mm -hmm. look and so I think that kind of just makes it unique in that aspect I definitely am still figuring out um my overall brand aesthetic and so I am working towards just like building a bigger brand for myself. And so in terms of an art aspect or like a functional piece aspect, what makes it unique for me right now, I think is just the scientific aspect related back to art and then 
just the overall clean, neutral look. Like that is definitely something that I vibe with, I'll say. That's pretty cool. So if you could describe, if you could describe your brand now, I guess you would describe it like in two words as like clean and neutral as far as like the aesthetic is, but what would you, I guess, kind of describe the brand's, I don't want to say like mission. Like my belief in terms of what drives me in the ceramics world is the disconnection to, um, the disconnection to just the overall life hustle, you know, mm-hmm. always being connected to something like digital can be so stressful. And I think, mm-hmm. yes, the tangible aspect of having a piece of pottery is alluring and beautiful. But I think a lot of my brand comes from just the experience and the action of like making something, um, living towards a more minimalist lifestyle, Um, I think a lot of my pottery pieces, I try to go for that minimalist look, that neutral, Mm -hmm. timeless look. And Mm -hmm. that both of those combined really drives me. And I I try to embody that in my brand and my mission, just disconnecting from the overall busy aspects of life, taking things a little bit slower, enjoying what you're eating, what you're drinking in this piece that's been handmade you know, with thought kind of, it, I, I feel like it brings, um, almost like a better, not, I wouldn't say a better quality of life, but a different perspective into life. Cool. Cool. Uh, when did you know it was the right time to make, make it a business rather than just a hobby? I didn't, I, I don't know if anybody ever knows that that's like a right time. I still don't know if it's the right time to be honest with you. Like that's why I'm still working my day job and, um, keeping this more of like a hobby for now. And I, yeah, it's bringing in some income, but I think if I was to make this currently, I think if I, if I was Mm -hmm. to make this something that I would need to pay my bills with, it would take away the beauty of it for me right now. Um, one day if I establish myself to the point where like, I don't have to, you know, promote my brand as much as I'm trying to do right now, then I think I can keep that, that fundamental belief of like taking life slow and kind of taking a step back to the hustle and bustle. And I don't want ceramics to become this hustle and bustle kind of lifestyle. And so, um, currently taking it as a business, it's just this organic feel. It's I'm trying to go for like an organic growth. And then one day, if I have um, an audience for this studio or an audience for me to make my pieces into more of like a production stage, then mm-hmm. I think I'll know when it comes. Yeah, I I feel like in any artist or entrepreneur's life, anyone that like starts off as a hobby, you know, you never that that's a, that's the struggle of it all. You know, you yeah. have this craft that you enjoy but at the same time you're kind of wearing many hats you're trying to market you're trying to yeah maybe you have to do contracts maybe you um need to invest in a square or (laughs) some kind of professional way to take money for sure it's such a struggle because you're wearing everyone wears so many hats and it's like man 
I just want to go back to when it was simple and you could just love the craft and just focus on that. Yes. Like, like, there's so much you got to do um, when it comes to small business. So I, I that is that is definitely the struggle of just like mm-hmm. being a small business. Like right now, Christmas is around the corner and we, my fiance has been helping me do all of my packaging and I try to minimize costs in terms of delivery because I don't want to ceramics is hard to ship. Like, you know, I just shipped a mug over to Nashville and I had to refund everything because it came broken and just like things like that, you know? So it's like, it's just, yeah, it's just tough. And, and that's, I feel like that's always the struggle. Like you are not backed by a major corporation as, as an Mm -hmm. individual small business owner. So everything comes from you and so the people that support small businesses might say like, oh, their stuff is so expensive. But, you know, just education is key and just letting people know like, hey, it's not just about the piece that you're buying. It's about the packaging. It's about the time that you're putting in it. And it's just there's only so many hours in the day. And so, yeah. And I'm sure you you love teaching as well. I mean, you can you can tell you're passionate about teaching people how to do this. Um, yeah. and I'm sure that's also driving, you know, your business also, it, it's not just about the return, but it's yeah. also about you teaching people this craft. So, yeah, I, I just, I really enjoy the fact that it is also not only like letting people gain this experience of like what ceramics is, it kind of enlightens them of like, you know, these are the steps and this is what you do. And it gives us greater appreciation overall to the actual art. And I think that it's just, it's a beautiful thing, you know, it's just like, just like what drew me to geology, like understanding what these landscapes are actually about, like how they form. Same with, same with ceramics, like how is this piece made? What does it take to get there? And it just brings more appreciation for like the things that people are purchasing or like using day to day. So that's what I really love about it. And I know like you experienced that mug breaking, the thing that you shipped to Nashville. Um, Have you, have you ever like experienced any other struggles um, as far as like the product you're making or other aspects of your. For sure. Um, I, Definitely have experienced that. Anytime something comes out of the glaze kiln or anytime you fire something in the kiln, I mean, it's going to like 2,200 Fahrenheit. And that mm-hmm. is, that can be a recipe for disaster, you know, like either just recently <laughs> I got a commission for 10 planters. This girl wanted, uh, my friend, she wanted purple ribbons on her planters um, to signify a a life struggle that she's going through. And so, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, you know, this is so special. Like this is so meaningful that she commissioned me to make these planters with her ribbon on it. And I painted purple on it. And when it came out of the last stage and firing, the red burned out of the purple paint and it became blue I'm like, oh my gosh, I just spent a month making 10 planters. And um, now these ribbons are blue and not purple. And so like I was freaking out and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going out of town. 
um, for the remaining of the year in a week? Like, how am I going to recover this? Because pottery, you cannot rush pottery. Like the drying process is on its own. Like you cannot fire something if it's still wet. And so I was just like, oh my God. So I had to go and buy, I had to go to the ceramic store, buy a different paint color, practice, fire it, make sure it didn't turn blue when I fired it to the last firing. And, and I, it's just this process. So it does create stress. And that is, that um, was probably one of my most stressful moments. If she listens to this, she's probably going to laugh at me, but it was really stressful. I got, you know, if you make something and they're commissioning you to make something so meaningful, you want it to be perfect. At least for me, like I'm, you know, and so, yeah, that was definitely stressful. Crazy. But, um, have you ever experienced like any other struggles or like, I don't want to sell anything anymore or, or for now, are you pretty like content with what you're doing? Yeah. So, um, I feel like I am happy with where my brand is going or I feel like it's growing quite a bit since I've started, um, being more active on my speckles and stripes. And so currently I'm, I'm happy with like where it's going. It's definitely, um, I've been putting a ton of work into it. Like it is truly exhausting, but it's so gratifying. Um, so yeah, I am seeing the fruits of my labor. And I think that is this, the unique beauty of owning your own small business versus working for a large corporation. You sometimes feel like just a number and you don't see that you're moving the needle working for a large company versus for yourself. You see all this like natural growth and you're there to witness it and and experience it firsthand. And I think that's, it's great. Yeah, that's huge. Like not not a lot of people make something a business just because they're they're just content or they're just comfortable, you know, working for someone. And that's where, you know, it, it, everybody's different. So sure, but it, I can tell that you're very passionate, and you maybe one day would leave geology, or do you, do you see yourself? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> who knows. My, my fiance and I talk about it all the time. Um, our goal is to move somewhere that's like nature inspired or like very mm-hmm. immersed into nature. And Houston, unfortunately, just does not have that like nature. Like, or, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love. Yeah, that. I don't know. We don't know. Um, one day, though, one day I do see myself leaving geology. I just don't know the timing on that. And I'm unfortunate. I mean, not unfortunately, but. I mastered in petroleum <laughs> geology and Houston is the capital of oil and gas. So oh, yeah. it would be a disservice to me if I moved out of Houston and tried to stay mm-hmm. in oil and gas. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if I would leave geology overall, but if I wanted to move out of Houston, I feel like my skills wouldn't be as transferable as a petroleum geologist. So I might mm-hmm. just have to like close that <laughs> chapter. I have no idea. I mean, with the way things are going, do you think you could just like work from anywhere? No, I think um, Exxon overall is, yeah, it's just, we are not as progressive as say the tech industry. And so Mm -hmm. we do see some benefits of working collaboratively, like face to face Um, geology. A lot of the times you're working 
looking at maps and looking at a lot of data at once. And so it's easier mm-hmm. to just kind of sit next to your coworker and be like, Hey, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to look right. at, et cetera. What's your favorite place that you visited so far? Oh man. My favorite Yellowstone. <laughs> Yellowstone was cool. I will say the actually Yellowstone doesn't have a lot of rocks though. It's more known for their, um, geysers and stuff mm-hmm. so but Yellowstone is beautiful um I don't know I think it, from a geology perspective I would say New Zealand is awesome and uh Oman maybe would be my second favorite it's just because Very the cool. geology is complex and mm-hmm. it's awesome yeah uh, so fun fact about where I grew up I didn't even know that till I, w- I took that class, and I'm like, wait, I remember those rocks. They were all over my my backyard. Um, my parents bought a new house, and we—I uh-huh. mean, I'm, I'm a kid—and the backyard had all these like, you know, see-through rocks and almost like crystal-looking. I'm like, and my dad just hired somebody to just grab them, and like, I don't know what they did to them. Take them away. <laughs> just take them away from me. I, I want grass. Well, anyway, I learned they were actually quartz. I mean, oh. we had in west texas and el paso and I, that's where i grew up so oh. I mean, there's, there's a lot of you know volcanic activity that or it, there was at one point yeah go uh in that side of texas but um we had a whole bunch in our backyard just where they naturally were you know they n- nobody put them there that's where they they they've been for a long time <laughs> And he just grabbed them, and I don't know what they did to him. But I remember, like, when I was young, I would just like look at them, and be like, "Oh, this is cool." But anyway, that's just a that is cool. <laughs> I've I've never been to El Paso, but I have heard so many good. My sister lived there for um, a year doing her residency uh, rotations, and so she loved it. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was there twenty years, and I moved to Houston in two thousand nine. So here we are. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> We're hoping to move to somewhere al- along the ring of fire. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm, I'm somewhere like, in the West. I'm like cool. obsessed with Seattle um, and, and the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Our, our dog is named Portland. That's his um, name. But we're also Aww. like interested in the West Coast and everything. Um, she so, wants to live where it's like the most dangerous I, with yeah. earthquake activity. I want to yeah. see some mountains, okay? Like oh. I want to see nature. I totally agree with you. I mean, transitioning from Colorado to Houston has been has been difficult just in oh, terms of not uh, having an outdoor outlet. So I think it makes mm-hmm. pottery kind of fills that void for the time being. But my fiance and I know that <laughs> ultimately we would rather leave the nine to five and it pays well, but it's mm-hmm. we'd rather take, you know, a pay cut and kind of just live a little simpler with a little less and um, just kind of enjoy the outdoors a little more. We just, we just actually bought a 1993 Aerostar van and we're going to fix it up. Okay. That's like an airstream, right? No, no. It's, it's a, like a minivan. It's like a minivan. Yeah. It's like a, it's definitely um, not an airstream. But I, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, like a little old school minivan. We're gonna rip out the benches. You can't like stand in it, but you can lay uh-huh. and you can put like a little kitchenette. And I don't know, that might be our skin oh, one day. 
fun. Yeah, I followed these photographers that they did the kind of like the same thing and they just lived out of their van and they just like, you know, traveled from city to town and like took pictures uh, yeah. for whoever that for whoever they took pictures for. But that's a really cool idea. Um, do you have like any places that you want to visit? Um, I don't know. We were thinking that after we fix it up, we might park it in Colorado at um, mm-hmm. our family friend's property. And then the flights out to Colorado on the weekends are pretty cheap from Houston. Mm-hmm. And they're a direct flight, two hours. And so um, mm-hmm. from Colorado, you can drive anywhere, really. Like you can get to Utah in four hours. You can get it's just like central to a lot of other states that have mm-hmm. um, a lot of outdoors. And so you would just hop off the plane and go get your, get the van. And, and then y'all can gone. take us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. But um, one of my favorite questions to ask people, um, and I know it's like inspired you in your art and everything, but what inspires you in life? What inspires me in life? I feel like I have been, questioning this a lot um with myself and with my fiance just because he got laid off um two months ago now Mm -hmm. and we've kind of been toying with this idea of like what are we inspired by before we were chasing this nine to five corporate climbing this corporate ladder and it Mm -hmm. turned out to be disappointing and then it's kind of like what is what what should you be chasing in life? Like you have one life and I don't know. So like we were, we're always thinking about it and we're like, originally when we were in school, we're like, yeah, we want to build this strong foundation, this financial foundation and chase this corporate job, become a manager, become like exploration Mm -hmm. VP, blah, blah, blah. And now I think what inspires me in life is more about experience and like being able to experience different culture, different people's stories, meet people, yeah. like go a little deeper into like the, go a little deeper into life's details, you know, instead of just living this nine to five and that part to me gets so mundane and like you blink and yeah. 10 years have passed and you don't know if you've fulfilled a lot of your yeah. dreams. And so we're trying not to let that happen. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's like something a lot of uh, millennials are doing now. Like, I feel like our parents kind of just had to yeah. do what they had to do to they, they pave the way for us to have a better life. Yeah, to way. be able to yeah. question, yeah. to be able to question, like, what are we doing? What can I do? Um, where can I take my life? I don't necessarily have to do this one thing, but I can be many things. So I feel like that's really cool. Like, um, for our generation, we're we're able for to sure. kind of question those things you know yeah we're a generation of options and i mean we we switch jobs every couple years i mean it's it's surprising it's not shocking that a lot of millennials do that but i think it's because it we've had the freedom because our parents and grandparents you know did all the hard work and laid the foundation and you know came from other countries perhaps mine came from mexico um, you know, to give us a better life. And, you know, we have, we have that freedom, that option to pursue our dreams. And even if it doesn't mean a nine to five, we can have a business, we can, you know, go on trips and, you know, have, you know, like you guys, you know, do all the cool stuff with nature. So 
that's yeah, that, sure. that, that hit home what you just said right now. So <laughs> what motivates you to move forward? Um, I think the, the chase is what motivates me to kind of move forward. Like when I was in school, the chase was, um, working for, you know, a large oil and gas corporation. Cause that's what my master's mm-hmm. was about when I was not doing geology and I was like still taking the classes. My, my motivation was like, okay, getting into a good graduate program and kind of moving to a different place that I'm not used to. And now that I've kind of like attained, you know, the, my like ideal job when I was in school, I feel like what motivates me moving forward now is seeing myself grow as an artist, my growing my personal brand. And like you guys, you guys reached out to me and we didn't know each other previously. And I think that's just like a first line of evidence that you're growing your brand and you guys are doing the same with your podcast, you know, interviewing me and we're, we haven't known each other previously. And I think stuff like that, like mo- motivates me to move forward and just mm-hmm. keep chipping away at like this vision that I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's really what kind of, makes me tick it's kind of setting a goal going (laughs) slowly but surely and it just when you take a step back and you're like wow that was really cool yeah Yeah. and just kind of like seeing what happens along the way yeah we we have um we we used to i don't know where it is now but uh like one of those signs with you put the letters individually what it's called Uh, one of those boards oh it's like a letter board letter board yeah (laughs) anyway like those little yeah and it said uh, small steps, uh, long distances, meaning that, you know, sure. little by little you get to your goal. But it, what matters is that you, you know, move forward every single day, try mm-hmm. to accomplish that. Try to so. put something in every single day. Right, right. And one day you'll get there. But are there any, I'm like super like a person that likes to listen to like inspirational speeches and just like little stuff like that. Is there any like idol that you may have or any quote <laughs> that you like to live by? No, no. Don't feel pressured about that. Most um, people don't. <laughs> <laughs> Idols that you look no, up yeah, to. yeah, for sure. It doesn't have to be um, art related at all. I look up to. You know, I really do. I really do love listening to podcasts. And I will say that I don't know if you've ever heard of Esther Perel. She's a relationship therapist and she has I don't three think- series of she gives these one hour open like recording of an anonymous couple. So she doesn't tell you their name, but she just lets you listen in to her therapy sessions. And they are so enlightening. It's like, you don't know who this this couple is. You don't know what they look like. You don't know where they live. Like, but they just go, they just start deep into their relationship problems and not saying that, you know, all of these, issues that they talk about relate to only your relationship, but it just makes you think about who you are as a person, who you are as a partner and who you would like to be in the future. And I think she is, she just like has this ability to interpret somebody's like aura and their intentions just within this one hour that she talks to them. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. You have to listen to her. I love it. Sarah's gonna listen to this. I love <laughs> I love anything like that. Like that is just my thing. Like even when um like I go for runs and stuff, I'll be listening to like inspirational stuff. I'm just yeah. like really into all that kind of deal. Check it out. But um 
I will check it out. Mm-hmm. That's it sounds pretty intriguing. Um, so where can people find you? Give us your Instagram handle, your Etsy, your website. Give us all that good stuff. Yeah. I think the easiest way to find me is on my Instagram. It's at speckles and stripes. Um, next year I will be selling some pieces locally in Houston right now. I'm selling my stuff. I'm selling some mugs at T-Sip in the Heights. So they, um, specialize in like handcrafted roast, handcrafted tea. I don't, I don't know the terminology. I think it's roasted tea or dry tea. Um, yeah. So they do specialized tea. I have some in my cups there next year. I'm working on some collabs on some planters and such. I'm not going to say any names just in case it doesn't go through, (laughs) but, um, the main thing is probably my Etsy and everything linked in my Instagram. That's like my main place awesome. to go. Very cool. Make sure you follow her. Yeah. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for chatting with yeah. us tonight. It was such a cool yeah. interesting conversation. I feel like we learned a lot. Loved it. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, you, you're extremely busy. You, after work, you do your art. And I'm pretty sure you're going to do this as soon as we get off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, we appreciate yeah. your time, and we for sure are going to take a class very soon. We're, we're going to have to. Oh, thank you.